Hello, my name is Michael D'Angelo. Welcome to Let This Mind Be In You, or if you're a return listener, welcome back. This is a ministry founded on proclaiming the gospel to the lost and exhorting Christians to remember that we have the mind of Christ. So let this mind be in you. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe with all of your friends and family. And if you'd like to reach me, you can reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. I also have a Facebook page. You can find that at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries. Just search for that. Also, you can find us on YouTube at Let This Mind Be In You. Thursday night, and uh, I'm thankful that you've uh, made plans to join me as we wait for probably just about a minute or two to let everybody that's uh, possibly coming in here get on here live, uh, give everybody an opportunity for that. I just wanted to say um, it's been a great day. I have been, well, let's just put it this way, the past, uh, earlier in this week I was uh, letting some things get me down. You know, you, you get in the flesh sometimes, and things of this world will get you down. And uh, some things were running through my mind. But, you know, I'm thankful for the Word of God that uh, encouraged me and convicted me of uh, things that I was concentrating on that I shouldn't have been concentrating on. So, anyways, that's uh, that's what's been going on with me. I've been obviously on leave because you see that the beard is coming in. Um, tomorrow will be one week since I've shaved. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't have any trouble growing facial hair, and that's uh, a blessing and also a curse because my beard grows fast and I, I break out sometimes with doing all the shaving all the time. So, But anyways, uh, I see Miss Debbie there uh, tuning in on Facebook. I'd like to see that. Thank you so much, Miss Debbie, for joining me here on Facebook. Uh, I see my friend Jason and my friend Ken over here on YouTube. So it's good to see you gentlemen here and also my wife, the audio engineer from the other room as she's rocking right behind me on this wall is my, uh, on the other side of the wall is my son's room and she's over there rocking him, getting him ready for bedtime. Uh, my children been feeling a little bit under the weather, um, you know, typical stuff. And, uh, so we've been dealing with that, uh, I, I, as a father, and I'm, I know as um, their mom is thinking the same thing, we just rather us be sick than them at any time ever. So, but anyways, be in prayer for that and that uh, those youngins will get feeling better. All right, so we're going to be back in First Thessalonians tonight. We're going to be wrapping up uh, first the study of First Thessalonians in chapter 5. And uh, before we start with that, let's make some um, the standard introductions of where you can find this. If you're tuning in on YouTube and Facebook, of course, uh, you can you know where to find us. Um, if you'd like to, and you have a Facebook page, and you'd like to subscribe to Let This Mind Be in You Ministries on Facebook, I would I would appreciate that. Uh, please like, follow, and all that kind of stuff on Facebook. And also, if you're on Facebook and you haven't followed us on YouTube, do that as well. I'd appreciate that. So uh, go over there and find us at Let This Mind Be In You. Also, if you prefer the audio version of any of these uh, studies, 
You can find that on just about any of the major podcasting platforms, whether it be Anchor, uh, Podbean, uh, and all the big ones, you know, the iHeart and also Apple. So you can find us over there uh, if you'd like to check that out as well. All right, so you can look it up at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries Podcast. It's a it's a long um, title, but you can you can type it in there. Let this mind be in you, and uh, the podcast will come up. I believe I'm the only one out there. So, anyways, uh, let's see. Like I said, we got a few people joining us here already on YouTube and on Facebook. So I appreciate that. So without any further delay, let me get this coffee going since I don't have to get up in the morning. That's good. Not like my uh, my brother Ken. I talked to him here uh, just a little bit this morning, and he is getting up at two o'clock in the morning, training truck drivers, I believe, out there in Nevada. So, two o'clock in the morning. Goodness, I'll be praying for you, brother. Safety on the roads as well. So it's good to see you here on here tonight, um, especially since you have to get up so early in the morning. But anyways, all right, let's get into it. All right, so last week we talked about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Of course, the uh, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. And we talked about that. And remember, uh, I, I may be preaching to, the, so to, so to speak, the choir here. You may already know this, but just remember that these are letters. So there's no chapter breaks. Uh, we do that for simplicity and ease of, of reading down through here. But there's no break. He says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words, but of the times. And remember, we talked about this last week. There's no signs for us, church. Um, the signs were given to Jews for prophecy's sake, and there will be plenty of signs being shown in the heavens and all sorts of wild things happening in the book of Revelation. Those are signs happening during Daniel's 70th week. Um, we will not be here I, I pray that you're part of the body of Christ, and that body is not subject to wrath for a second time, okay? The wrath was already poured out on the body of Christ when he died for us on the cross. That's why, as we'll see later on here, that we are not subject to wrath because we are in Christ, we're his body here, and that's in more ways than one, okay? But anyways, but of the times and seasons, brethren, as you... Uh, ye have no need that I write unto you. See, Paul doesn't need to address prophecy um, because the church won't be here. And he, like I said last week, it's kind of a paraphrasing or just a Michaelology way of, of, of putting it. But in First Thessalonians, he writes this letter and says, hey, don't worry about it. You're not going to be here. Uh, live for Christ now. Um, be an ambassador. All these different kinds of things. But don't worry about it. And then Second Thessalonians, he basically says, hey, I, just as a reminder, I told you not to worry about these things. But people were already influencing uh, the body of Christ there, saying, well, your loved one died. He missed or she missed the, uh, the second coming. Well, Paul's really clearly showing here that the, we have nothing to do with looking for the signs of his second coming when he touches down on the Mount of Olives because that's going to be the Jew, for the Jews. When they'll look upon him whom they have pierced, they'll finally cry out to him, and he will come back and save them, save their hides, literally. The ones that are left, the very small remnant that would be left, uh, relatively speaking, during those times. And this is not about prophecy. 
you can go check out my Millennial Reign series um, for a brief uh, seven-part series on that, okay? And if you have any questions, always write me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. But he doesn't need to write them. He doesn't need to write to them about these things. He says, for in verse, uh, verse number two, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction come, cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. That woman with child is a little bit interesting, too, because it does talk about a woman with a child in the book of Revelation. But once again, that's not what this uh, study has been about. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to keep going here. But that's an interesting little tie-in there, what, why Paul is using that, uh, I believe. Anyways, verse number four. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Uh, once again, we're not watching for signs indicating who's the Antichrist, okay? Uh, there's so many scriptures on that, it's, it's ridiculous, that as far as um, saying that we should be looking for the Antichrist. We're, we, not, we are not. As the body of believers here, the body of Christ, we are looking for him, the blessed hope. Um, to catch us up, as it just we just covered last week. That's what we're supposed to be watching for. Not sleep, as others do, but let us watch and be sober. He is coming back. The imminent return of Jesus Christ is coming back. That's why we should be sober. It's a very sobering thought. For us, it's a joy, you know, the blessed hope. Well, man, it's going to be so great. But that means that the Spirit, him that letteth, is taken out of the way. We'll get to that when we get into Second Thessalonians. The Spirit of God that, that indwells us, believers, as the body of Christ here, the same Spirit that indwelled him, and wherein he cried, Abba, Father, wherein now we cry, Abba, Father, because it's the same Spirit. And we'll get to that as we continue in this chapter when we talk about quench not the Spirit. So it's, uh, it's going to be nice to look at in, in that kind of a context. Knowing full well, though, be sober. Be very serious about trying to just be that ambassador and giving the gospel of Jesus Christ, the simplicity of the gospel, giving that out at every opportunity you can because those that are left, uh, you know, the ones that uh, sleep as do others, you know, there's people, a lot of people asleep to what's coming. And we're to give them the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Just give them the word of God and say, look, warn them in truth and love that uh, that's quickly approaching. It could come at any moment. That's a very sobering thought. That's a serious thought. For they that sleep, verse number seven, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken or drunken in the night. Right, that's a practical thing. Most often than not, people go out in the darkness of things and do things and, you know, drinking and all this kind of stuff. You go into any kind of bar, it's not well lit like the studio. It's going to be dark. There's a reason for that because darkness loves darkness. But in another, another kind of a context of that, the, uh, the speaking of like their, their mind, like they're asleep, um, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we talked about the natural man can't discern certain, you know, cannot discern the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. They are in darkness. 
And there's many different references to that within the uh, the New Testament, uh, what we would know as the New Testament. And also, even in Paul's writings, it does talk about this darkness that's upon people. But he is the light. So as us being children of light, as the light that's in us, make sure you're ready to give an answer to every man, that hope that is within you, that light that is within you. And it says here in verse number 8, but let us who are of the day be sober. There's that word again, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. So just like in Ephesians chapter 6 where the... Um, and if you go back to my Ephesian studies, we talk about the um, the armor of God. Paul is once again reminding people here in, in um, Thessalonica and for us that we are to put on this breastplate of faith. <clears throat> Excuse me. And also that uh, the helmet, the hope of salvation. And I, as you if you remember, if you studied along with me in the, uh, the book of Ephesians, we talk about the helmet of salvation. It's not like you're not, once you're saved, it's not like you can lose your salvation. That helmet has been issued to you. It's yours. Uh, but you can forget or not remember who you are. That's why it's take with you that, that helmet of salvation to remember who you are in Christ. And that'll help you. And as, again, in verse number 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. The wrath was poured out, as I've mentioned already, upon Jesus Christ. It's happened already. It's done. He took our place. It is finished. Sin is abolished. He took in him, having uh, slain sin in his body of flesh, he nailed it to his cross. Therefore, you know, for God hath not appointed us to wrath. If you are in Christ, as it says here, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, if you are in Christ, in the body of Christ, you've already, just as if you've experienced that, um, that wrath, not you personally, because it's not works of righteousness, which we have done, but of course, what he has done. And that is the, the, the picture that I want everybody to understand that we could go through prophecy, we can talk about how Daniel's 70th week is meant for thy holy people, thy holy city, and how that's for the Jews. Not one second of Daniel's 70th week, that seven-year period, not one second of it is meant for us, believer. But beyond that, just think about who you are in Christ and how that he suffered the wrath already. The wrath was poured upon him. The sin payment was made. Therefore, you're not appointed to wrath. And it's just a good thing to recognize because that verse in verse number 9, if you see there, it keeps going into verse number 10. Who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. You know, this the, the saying, you know, to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. Yes. We are seated together, Paul says, though, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Christ we are in him, he is in us, therefore we're not appointed to that wrath because he already died for us in verse 10. That whether we wake or sleep, whether you're dead in Christ or you're alive and remain, it does not matter. We should live together with him. He's not going to pour out his wrath upon this earth. Again, talking about prophecy, who opens the seals? 
who opens the very first seal? Well, it's certainly not any uh, man-made system. It's certainly not some cabal of the Illuminati or whatever pick, you know, whatever conspiracy theory you want to talk about. Are there evil people in this world doing evil things? Absolutely. But who opens the seals? Jesus Christ does. So just be reminded of that. And that's what Paul is telling these Thessalonians. Don't worry about it. Now, will we suffer persecution? Potentially. Is there tribulation? Potentially. Uh, just ask these people that were living during this time period uh, if they were experiencing any sort of tribulation. And the answer would be yes. Um, you read down through history. I think of what's going on potentially right now as we speak in Afghanistan, where people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ will be asked to denounce him by an armed person threatening to kill their family and them in a brutal way, and they have to make that choice. And I guarantee you, they are not making the choice of, oh, yes, I denounce him, and all just like down through the ages, the Holy Spirit of God gives them comfort, and they are going to say, no, you can take this body. And that's just a, it's a sobering thought, isn't it? The fact that we won't gather together because of reasons, and we'll get to that here in this, in this chapter as well. Uh, reasons, this reason, that reason, this reason, that reason, whatever. But yet they gather together, it's, they get caught, that's death. And that's all around the world, not just in Afghanistan right now. Just something to think about. And what is the purpose of me saying this? Not to down, you know, just get on your case or get on my case. But these words encourage me. This right here encouraged me. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. How do we make it through these days? Well, gathering with a local body of believers helped out if I me this week. God's word right here talking about comfort yourselves together, comfort out of the word of God to know that, boy, why am I getting wrapped around that? Why am I getting so upset about that? So forth and so on. I want to tell you, you know, is there times where you'll be potentially by yourself? Probably so. There will be times in that, and, and God is sufficient, and he, you know, to take care of you during those times. But the comfort, the one spirit that we can share with each other and to edify, to build each other up, is found in a local body of believers. And I say it's local because I cannot reach out as much as I'd like to. I'd like to reach out to maybe my brother here in Nevada. I'd like to reach out and, you know, if he needs something, I could be over there in five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, in an hour. But if I took off right now, it would take me a couple of days to get to Nevada. We have fellowship because we are both in the body of Christ. But I cannot comfort him to that level. 
as you could if we were co-located. And that is exactly why we are to be the church, the body of Christ. And not just this simple fact of like, okay, yeah, I'm going and I'm doing my duty. I'm going to some social club. No, no, no. But God has given the local body of believers as a gift. It is absolutely a gift. The gift of God is the Holy Spirit. That's why when we come together, we're supposed to come together in that one spirit, not for the worse, but come together for the better, to edify each other. And we beseech you, verse number 12, brethren, to know them which labor among you. I cannot know somebody that's laboring in Nevada. I, I have talked to my brother here, and I'm using him as an example because I'm, I'm seeing he's, he's uh, watching here. I, I've talked to him. We've Skyped back and forth. But I have no idea on a day-to-day basis what's going on in, in my brother's life there. How do I know him then which labors among you? I can't. Not to that level. And he cannot know me. We have a pretty good idea about each other. But the true knowing that are labor that labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Now people see that over you in the Lord and go, Wow, okay, yeah, here we go. You know, the authority. God has given offices within that local body as the best way I can even describe it is as a managerial. They are to be overseeing, making sure that something's not entering in that would you know, cause people discomfort, like, hey, the resurrection's already passed, okay? No, 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 no. Look, God's word says this, 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 that, and the other thing. The catching up has not happened yet. Um, Those that are dead in Christ will rise first, and so forth and so on. That is what those that are over you in the Lord means. has nothing to do with this domineering, whatever the traditional corporate America, corporate church worldwide has turned it into. It is true fellowship, body of believers doing things the way the Lord has said. And we can find it right here. And it says in verse number 13, keeping keeping going with the same thought here, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. If there's strife and division, that that needs to be taken care of within that local body really quickly because that's not of the Lord at all, right? There should be peace. We should esteem others more highly than ourselves, and here's Paul saying that again, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Not because they do X, Y, and Z. Their work is laboring together in the word. That's why it says, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show thyself approved. Well, the workman, what is that? Oh, I should do X, Y, and Z. I need to make sure I'm doing this, that. Those things will follow if you understand who you are in Christ and labor together in the word and be about the word alone. And esteem those that are doing that. Not just esteem others more highly than ourselves, that's there as well. Not to be thinking of ourselves and all this stuff, but to see somebody laboring really and be like, oh, man, I just appreciate that brother that's really laboring. 
for their work's sake. Boy, I really appreciated that. That word that was spoken from the word of God there that that brother brought up um, the other day on, on Sunday or whenever it is that we, you gather together, whatever days of the week, I really appreciated what he said. And he's really laboring. I know him. That's how you can comfort yourself together. And that's how we're at peace. Verse number 14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. All means all, once again. But as you see here, exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Is that, well, for a practical sake, if somebody's acting really crazy and just, you know, warn them, hey, you know, calm it down. Like my, acting like one of my, uh, like my two-year-old right now. Um, no. The unruly would be those types that are coming in trying to create divisions among you, Paul says. Mark those that cause division and avoid them. Warn them, of course, in love. Hey, this is truth here. But if they're causing that division, they're unruly. Time to go. Warn them. Comfort the feeble-minded. Again, I, you know, we think of feeble-minded as being mentally handicapped in some sort of way. But that's also like I, I get the idea from feeble-minded that it's it's. It's a fragile, it's, it's new, let's put it that way. It's, it's, it's delicate. It could be swayed like a young sapling. It's, it's, it's feeble, you know. That's why we are to bring ourselves up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord for our children, but we are to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as believers because we start out all as babes in Christ. So comfort the feeble-minded may mean something. I mean, I'm not going to try to tell you what um, the Lord may be teaching you out of this, but when it says comfort the feeble-minded, to me, that's that's providing the comfort and coming alongside of somebody that's growing and, and stabilizing them so they're not feeble-minded and unstable and chasing after this wind of doctrine and chasing after that wind of doctrine or, hey, that sounds really neat. I want to learn about this. And No, hey, get back to the Word. Hey, you want to find comfort right here. And that's what it says to me. Support the weak, same thing. Supporting them. Be patient towards all men because that will take patience. All right, verse number 15. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So not only within the house, uh, this... this uh, great house that uh, we looked at when we were in Timothy, but also to those that were without the house. And then it says here a couple of interesting things here. Rejoice evermore. Again, like I told you, there's there's things that, as I was studying through this, that really kind of comforted me and convicted me about some of the things I was thinking earlier on in the week, like just to be honest with you, um, you know, I I served in Afghanistan and I I lost people that I knew. And to see the things of this world, I was starting to get um, not, I was starting to get in the flesh. Let's just put it that way. Okay. I don't know any other way to put it. 
But then I see these things rejoice evermore. I'm like, mm, I got to remind it of who I am. And know that the things of this world should be growing strangely dim, but every once in a while they get bright to me. That's not who I am. I'm not of this world. Mm, I got to remember that. So that the rejoicing started happening again. Pray without ceasing. I've mentioned this numerous times. How do you pray without ceasing? If it's a physical act of closing, bowing your head, closing your eyes, and and talking to your heavenly Father, uh, that's how do you do that without ceasing? To me, prayer again, like I've said numerous times, is a surrendering of our will to His. So pray without ceasing. Paul is telling them literally die to self every single moment of the day without ceasing. Because if any part of you starts creeping back into it, boom, already in the flesh. I'm already thinking, man, you know, what was it all for? That's in the flesh. Because the very next verse, in everything give thanks. Brother Mike, I really want to know the will for my life. There's a great video I watched. Um, I believe it's on Grace Ambassadors. Uh, there's a they have a YouTube page. It's a it's a local uh, body of, of believers in Indiana. Um, but talking about you know people searching for the will of God, and it, it really kind of made me think about it. I was like, wow, that's so true. We're searching, but we're not searching with some sort of blind faith for the will of God. The Bible, the Word of God, tells us what the will is for us. Look at this. Um, I also have my dad on, and he mentioned many of these same things, talking about the will of God. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And what this screams out to me is that what the will of God is for your life is a surrendering of your will and understanding of who you are, as it says, in Christ Jesus concerning you. Anything outside of that is not the will of God, okay? That's why I can give thanks in everything because he's already taking care of everything. What's more important than your uh, eternal destination where you will spend eternity? What's more important than that? In the grand scheme of things, we're here for 70, 80 years tops, and then eternity is a very long time. So in everything, give thanks? Really? I can do that? If you're surrendering your will to his, you're dying to self, you can give thanks in any situation. Even when some bearded dude is threatening to take your children's heads off, your wife's head off, and your head off last, if you don't denounce Christ, you can give thanks in that? We will be present with the Lord, and I. that's a convicting thing to me. But should I let it just depress me? No. I need to understand, oh, man, reminded once again of who I am in Christ, in Christ Jesus concerning you, because I should be giving thanks and everything, because it's the will of God. That's his will. 
so if I'm not giving thanks in a certain situation, I'm not in the will of God, correct. Okay, moving on. <laughs> verse number 20, or excuse me, number 19, verse 19. When it says here, quench not the spirit. Now, I want to take a moment to look at this word quench. As I said um, in, in the description below these two videos here, or this video, um, I wanted to take a moment to kind of look at this. If you turn back to Isaiah chapter 42, there's an account there. It's a prophecy that gets fulfilled in Matthew uh, chapter 12. So we're going to turn to both of those. But Isaiah chapter 42 in verse number 3. Now, first, let's just start back in verse number 1 because it says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. Okay, what does all that mean? I've talked about that numerous times, but... This seems pretty simple. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. I wonder who this could be talking about. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. And I saw that, and I was like, wow, quench is right there. Let's look over at Matthew chapter 12. You know, just because it uses the same word doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I think it's kind of interesting. Interesting parallel there. Matthew chapter 12. And let's look in verse number 20 when this is fulfilled. Uh, let's start back at verse number 17 of Matthew chapter 12. Um, and, excuse me, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. Seems pretty apparent here that if you're, you know, you can't put a fire out, uh, you can't quench it. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, as we're looking here, when it says quench not the Spirit, it has nothing to do with that you can put that the Holy Spirit out. You know, you, well, But you can serve yourself, which in turn quenches the Holy Spirit's influence. Because like I've mentioned, I think on here several times, I wish, now I'll just be straightforward and honest with you, I wish that when on the moment of salvation, your brain gets removed and code is implanted in you to where you always have the mind of Christ. But instead, we have to allow, let this mind be in us. And if you're not letting, you're not allowing the mind of Christ that you do have, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, we have the mind of Christ. If you do have that, if you're saved, and, but you're not in the will of God, you're not giving thanks, you're living to self and all these other kind of things, that is literally quenching the spirit. Everything that's there with you, you are suppressing it because you're not a mind-numb robot. You have a free choice and will to die to self because if it was just some sort of programming, that's not true love. If I had no choice, no choice at all because it was programmed in my brain to love my wife. That's not love. That's programming. That's a robot. That's an android. I will love you. That's not 
true love. True love is that I have a choice in the matter and I choose to love her. Hmm. I choose to die to self. That's choosing the will of God. I am living in his will at that moment because I'm dying to self. Not one things that I want, but I'm going to live according to his word. Yeah, but that's a pretty uncomfortable situation to be in. In the flesh, of course, your flesh will fight it. Boy, will it ever fight it because it wants to do what it wants to do. That's why Paul admonishes them to quench not the spirit. Now let's look at one more term. We talked about the the breastplate and the uh, helmet of salvation. Quench should really kind of come up to you like, hmm, where is that word used in Paul's writing? Ephesians chapter 6. We talked about this just a little bit earlier in verse number 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Well, how do I have how do I have this faith, Brother Mike? As I've mentioned the verse already, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If it sounds so simple because it's not complicated about it, because God's word spells it out. We are to be about the word, die to self, live for him. If not, you quench the spirit. You suppress the spirit. Now you're sealed into the day of redemption. He's not going anywhere. You are in Christ. He's not having some sort of uh, surgery that's removing you from his body. He is in you. You didn't place him there. It wasn't by works of righteousness, which you have done. Therefore, anything you, you do is not removing him. You had nothing to do with it in the first place. So if that's the case... What is about the, the, the Christian walk and the Christian life? Excuse me. Sorry, I got like an itch here. It's to quench not the spirit, not to live for self. So as we gather together and around each other, we edify each other and try to keep everybody admonished and admonish them and edify them and, and equip them and and constantly striving. So we, and, oh, mark that guy. He's, he's really striving with us. And he's, he's uh, one of those ones that, uh, uh, man, for his work's sake, he, boy, good. Oh, man, thank you so much. We esteem you very highly there, brother, in love. Well, we love it because you're bringing truth because you can't separate truth and love. So with that being said, that's how you don't quench, not the spirit. You know, that's how you don't quench him. Die to self. Verse number 20. Despise not prophesyings. Now, I was going to talk about this a little bit, about what prophesying is. Prophesying was simply bringing the word of the Lord. That's it. Isaiah the prophet. Jeremiah, the prophet, prophesying. Despise not anybody that's bringing you just the word for today's vernacular. Why? Because we have the completed word of God preserved for us now. There's no more, oh, I heard the Lord. He visited me in a dream, so let me bring this prophecy to you. Despise not prophesying means people are teaching the word of God 
the word, not of themselves. Don't despise that. And boy, is it rare today. Very rare. That's why I think a lot of people are very hungry for that. Just the just give me the word. What does the word say? Despise not prophesying. Because in that, this is so interesting. Verse number 21, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. In order to test it and try it by fire, that's how you proof gold, you know. You know, silver, you're proofing it. You know, you're 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 finding the validity of it. You're you're testing it by fire, you know, you're pulling off the dross and everything like that. That's proving things. How are we to prove things? How are we to prove all things? Just as we've been talking through this entire letter to the Thessalonians, this is how we prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. This is the only thing that is good. All the answers are here. And then when it says abstain from all appearances of evil, then you know, hmm, if this is even close, the word of God should be convicting you very quickly about what's evil. It's very clear. It's not a it's not some sort of uh Rubik's cube you gotta work out. The word of God's gonna say it clearly. The Holy Spirit that's in you will confirm it. Men and others around you gathering together are edifying each other, building each other up, and you're saying, hmm. Boy, that's evil. So therefore, if that's evil, do I want to be anywhere near that or even appear that I'm a part of that? You probably should abstain. Abstain from all appearance of evil. I I have really started striving to try to adhere to this, not for some sort of holier-than-thou kind of thing, but just for the simple fact that I just don't want the ambassadorship brought into question or to bring discredit upon the country which I come from. So I need to abstain from all appearances of evil. You see an ambassador, you know, quote, you know, off in a deep, dark uh, recess of corner or something like that, talking to a known spy, you know. They could be talking about recipes for bread, I doubt it. But if somebody sees that, they're like, hmm, I wonder what's going on over there. Well, I have liberty in the Lord. I have liberty. I can do these things and this thing and this thing. And boy, better not tell me otherwise. Okay. Uh, But this verse is still in the Bible. Abstain from all appearance of evil has nothing to do with checking off a list or anything like that. It's just simply dying to self and saying, hmm, contemplating hmm, is that even an appearance of evil maybe i should oh that's surrendering your will to his they may look different for everybody some people may have a conviction more more stringent on something usually has to do with their past life um but that's okay paul uses this many times for talking about a weaker brother he romans talks about this especially um but that's just simply what all is saying. Abstain. Avoid it. Just, okay, I could. Everything's lawful for me to do. There's nothing unlawful for me to eat this meat. And using the context historically of what 
was probably going on during this time. But I'm just not going to do it. Very And verse number 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. By the way, that sanctification is already accomplished because it's you're in him. That's the sanctification. And I brought that up uh, when we started studying through 1 Corinthians last week um, in my local body, and I brought that up. I said, look at these Corinthians that are crazy. I mean, they're doing some crazy stuff. And Paul says, saints. He calls them saints, sanctified, and all this other kind of stuff. Why? Because they're in God. They're in Christ. Therefore, they are sanctified and they are saints. It's just an amazing thing to look at. You've been sanctified already. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, see there, Paul's even praying for them to, you know, because potentially they could lose their salvation. It has nothing to do with that. Remember a lot of times that the body of believers is, rec- is the analogy is to an actual body. We are created with a body, soul, and a spirit, period. But inside of a local body of believers, it's also a body, a soul, and a spirit. These are all little s spirit and the whole thing like that. Preserve blameless means as a group of body of believers until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is just to be the church. And he will preserve you. Blameless doesn't say sinless because you are just as if you've never sinned anyways. But I digress. Faithful, verse number 24, is he that calleth you who also will do it. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter, oh, went the wrong way. Philippians chapter 2 in verse number 13. I did go the right way. Skipped right over it. Sorry about that. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 13. Oh, man, Philippians 2, obviously, is where we take let this mind be in you from. But uh, look at verse number 10. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things on earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. See there, you need to work out your own salvation. It means you need to work for it. No, confirm within yourself because it's a serious thing with fear and trembling. It's a serious matter. If I'm not acting as the as a somebody that has the Holy Spirit of God in him, I should really go, hmm, now what did I trust in? Okay, it wasn't in my own self. It was in him. Okay, just that's working out your own salvation. For it is God, see, which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Turn back to verse number 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. This has the meaning of when you're the blessed hope, this corruption, this corruptible flesh will put on incorruption. He will do it. It's almost like the uh, those infomercials that you talk about, you know, or you you can potentially watch on TV or you'll hear it, you know, and they say, I guarantee it. Well, who better to guarantee something than the Lord Jesus Christ himself? He will do it. 
He's the first fruits of the resurrection. And again, remember, this is an all in context of what Paul is addressing here. The, you know, people being able to see the coming of the Lord and everything like that. He will do it. Brethren, verse number 25, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Again, that's practically speaking and is a cultural thing. Um, this, you know, well, is that meant for today? Well, if you want to greet each other with a holy kiss, uh, go right ahead. Um, it has nothing to do with any sort of what we've perverted that to. It's an Italian thing. It's a Mediterranean thing. It's a very old world thing. You know, a couple pecks on the sides of the cheek. They still do it in many European countries or places that were settled by Europeans. Um, that's all it means. I charge you. I love that word charge because it is strongly, strongly worded. By the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. That's you and that's me. So we should be give attention to that reading. Give attention to reading. Verse number 28, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And that is closing out our study in 1 Thessalonians. I'm sure there may be um, some comments and stuff like that. I went a little long than I normally do, but I uh, wanted to really flush that out. Hey, my dad is on here. Hello, Papa D'Angelo there from New Jersey. Speaking of which, let me get you know, self all switched over here. Speaking of which, um, we will have, I'm working on it right now, a brother from New Jersey, a brother Matthew Swiatkowski. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, it's, a, it's a Polish last name, so uh, I believe it's Polish, a Polish descent, but uh, Swiatkowski. But anyways, uh, he sent me this book. He's a friend of my father up there in New Jersey, and um, it's just a very practical journey. It's like almost like a journal of his first mission trip that uh, he went on to Sierra Leone, Africa, right after um, they had went through a, a major conflict. And so the, it was a devastated region. I mean, pick a place in Africa, you can find devastation. Uh, but um, And it was very interesting, Just and I, I gleaned some things out of this, that how he just, everything was about the, the Christian walk. And how he, as a, as a preacher, will preach something, and then he said, "Boy, put to the test." So, anyways, I, I thought it was it was very uh, humorous in different parts, and so I I wanted to have him on, um, and promote this. I guess you would say promote it, but it's called Africa, my first mission trip. What could go wrong? And it's a journey in learning to trust God through mishaps and trials. And there it is, right there. I'll give a a better look at it. Uh, there we go. So, anyways, I'm going to work on that this weekend. We're supposed to have a um, a little bit of a technical, I guess you would say, meeting to make sure all the equipment and everything is bringing in him uh, via remote, via, via Skype. So we're going to work through that. Oh, that's a great point. I'm over here on YouTube now looking at the uh, YouTube comments, and Brother Ken Larson there says, He will do it, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That's fantastic. Yep. 
Yeah, he will do it. Um, again, because Christ being the first fruits of the resurrection, he will do it. We are we will not stay dead. If we're in Christ, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And remember, we talked about that in prophecy, that that's not the resurrection that happens in Revelation chapter 20. And thank you for a brother in Christ that corrected me on that. I think I said Revelation 19 last time. So um, sometimes I, I say something and I, I know where I'm talking. I think I know what I'm saying. And I end up, I go back later on. Somebody said, you know, you said this instead of that. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I want to make sure that, that everybody's understanding that. Uh, yeah, and that's pretty much it. Amen on God's will, brother. Yeah. Boy, it, we do not walk blindly in this world, brethren. Brothers and sisters, we do not walk blindly. Be about the word. And encourage those others that you gather with to be about the word as well. All right, any other comments or uh, concerns or questions? If you'd like to, like I said uh, at the beginning, if you'd like to reach me, you can reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. I'll be on leave for the next, <clears throat> oh, no, next week or so. Um, but I'll be here at the house. And uh, I plan on pushing out two different studies. I have the notes because I preached them already. I reach back here and grab my notes here. One is on redemption and the word redemption and what that means for us. And also the other word that goes along with it is reconciliation. And um, so I'm wanting to put a let this mind be in you as that what's on my mind series. I want to place that in that. So be looking for that. Hopefully next week I can get those uh, processed and actually uh, produced and ready to go and uploaded. I want to thank anybody that's listening to this later on, on any of the podcast platforms. Make sure you give uh, all your friends a, uh, a uh, recommendation for the podcast. Appreciate that. As I've mentioned many, many times, I do not make a single cent uh, on this on this program here. Let this mind be in you. Don't make a single dime. Um, every once in a while, somebody will send me a, a few dollars and cents. Uh, usually, like it's around like ten dollars or something like that. And some would think, man, that's just not a whole lot of stuff. You know how you know you're, you're paying for internet, you know all this equipment, all this kind of stuff. But I liked. I bought all that stuff because I, I like having good equipment that's going to last me, one. Two, I want it to sound and look professional. But three, I don't do it for the money, obviously. But that $10 actually pays for an entire month of my restreaming. <laughs> it's amazing. And every single time I think that, uh, I'm like, wow. Uh, let's see. I'm going to have to really uh, boost my uh, my PayPal account, which uh, directly pays for, like, uh the restreaming and all that kind of stuff. It just comes out of there automatically. I'd be like, well, that's starting to get a little bit low, that account right there, so I need to put a few dollars in there just to make sure I don't uh, miss a payment. And never fails. I start getting pretty low in that account, $10 shows up. <laughs> and it's 
I'm like, all right, praise the Lord. Amen. You know, but if it didn't show up, the Lord is richly blessed and I would be paying that. So that's not a plug for my PayPal account, by the way. Um, those on YouTube, you can see it on my, my page. I think there's a link to it on Facebook somewhere. I don't know. I don't promote it. I don't, it really doesn't matter. Um, but anyways, and I'll be talking about this book, like I said, when we bring on uh, Brother Matt there from New Jersey, and um, he'll he'll mention every place that it is where you can pick this up. Um, I think you can get it on Amazon um, and some other things in other places as well. So that's it there. I think I'm going to end it here and go ahead and wrap it up for tonight because, uh, oh, bro, let's see, my dad was posting hello again, and Sister Cindy from Slidell. Hi, Sister Cindy from my local body of believers over there. Good to see you on here. Like I said, tell all your friends. I'd love to have them over here as we study through these things, but it's not a replacement. This is not a replacement for your gathering together to edify one another, to comfort yourselves together. This is not the replacement for that. Go find a local body of believers meeting wherever they meet, and uh, try to find them and, and gather together and start edifying one another, okay? Do not make any kind of compromises biblically on any of that stuff, but uh, they are out there. There's believers looking for other believers to get together with, so. And that's it. Thank you for joining me on Let This Mind Be In You. We're going to end it right here um, with this camera angle, and um, I do need to look over here to make sure I hit the stop button, though. There we go. I got it ready to go. So thank you once again for joining me on Let This Mind Be In You. I'm Brother Michael D'Angelo. Please tell everybody about that, and we'll see you next time as we start back up in uh, as we start the study in 2 Thessalonians. And I can't, can't wait for that, looking forward to that, and then be looking for those two produced videos prayerfully out next week sometime. We'll see. Okay? Love you in the Lord. God bless you. And uh, remember, let this mind be in you. And that'll be it. Bye for now.